Welcome to Community with Activate Care, where we tackle local issues in health policy and health equity in all 50 states across America. Hello, and thank you for joining Activate Care for our inaugural episode of the new podcast, Community with Activate Care. In the weeks ahead, we're very excited to tackle local issues in health policy and health equity on a state-by-state basis. And to kick off this podcast series, we wanted to spend some time with our co-founder, Ted Quinn, and our chief health equity officer, Dr. John Lockman. Today, they'll be discussing Activate Care's new community care record solution and the trends Activate Care is responding to in the healthcare and social services sectors. Ted, over to you. Thanks, Dan. Uh, maybe just a quick introduction myself, and then I'll turn it over to John to introduce himself. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Activate Care. Uh, you know, we've been at this mission now for almost nine years. Uh, when we started, we had a real focus on how do you think about enabling people that were vulnerable and that were seeing challenges, not only their clinical care, but also kind of broadly more community care. And over the course of uh, this last nine years, we've been fortunate to engage with communities and states and different uh, organizations across the country that are trying to tackle this, this problem. And we have many different types of models that we'll kind of highlight and discuss today that are we're seeing across the country that are trying to approach this challenge of how do you enable those that are the most at risk uh, to receive the services and the supports they need to get the outcomes we all want to see. We often talk about how do we drive this more efficient and effective and measurable outcomes. And uh, we're excited to talk a little today about uh, some of those models and some of our experiences. So John, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, great. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I read a book called The Heirs of General Practice by John McPhee, which really described the, the lives and the roles of, of rural family practice doctors in Maine. And it changed my life. Um, so my entire career since then has really been focused on what I would say general practice. It's just the populations I've served have changed. So from a career where I was a rural classic primary care family practice doctor in rural Massachusetts and Vermont to running a hospital service south of Boston and then um, being chief medical officer and developing uh, with others a lot of the programs at Commonwealth Carolines, which has been called the first social ACL, my main focus has always been trying to figure out what I can do as part of a team to really engage and help people live their best life as they define it. And that's medically, socially, behaviorally, whatever they need, my job is to help them get there. And I think that's part of why I was always attracted to Activate Care through the years, and, and I'm happy to be on board um, to be part of this uh, great team. You know, it's interesting. I, when I think about our work and that mission uh, that we're alluding to here, I often think about some of the personal experiences I've had. Um, uh, some folks, and you might have heard me in other, in other discussions describe this experience, but a number of years ago, I was sitting at home on a Friday night, and I received a call from a neighbor. Uh, he was uh, a widower, and he had a number of kids, and he just said, I need some help. I need some urgent help, but I put on my shoes and ran across the uh, the neighborhood and I showed up at his house and his daughter who has, who I've known the family for a number of years, but his daughter was there in the living room, passed out and she had overdosed. And here you have this elderly gentleman with a daughter and knowing the history, I knew that uh, she was unemployed, that she'd had a range of addiction issues, uh, that she has been moving from situation to situation, housing, uh, different housing situations, had these range of had some clinical issues around her health with diabetes. 
And we basically took her downtown to a hospital in downtown Boston. And I remember uh, sitting with um, this gentleman and him just looking at me and saying, well, how, how do I, what do I do? How do I, how, who owns this, in effect, who owns this, this challenge that I now find myself in with a member of my family who has not only a range of clinical issues, but social issues that obviously were driving a lot of the challenges that we're seeing. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, we had to work through as a community and just trying to help him connect with resources and her with resources, uh, not only clinical resources, but try to get housing and supports around some of the challenges that she faced. And you know, when we started this organization a number of years ago, we were trying to think about how do we tackle this challenge where you have multiple caregivers or care providers that are touching the same individual and family, but have very little visibility into what they're trying to get done and what the challenges are. And every time a new player, if you will, or stakeholder or care provider shows up, how do you baseline them and introduce them to the challenge that they were facing? And that was really kind of the, how we started. It's as an organization saying, how do we better support care coordination, right? Enable able to people to move from different um, settings or different kind of uh, individuals who were interested in their care. And what we found is when we started, we were very much focused on what does that technology look like, right? What does that experience look like for the individual and family, let alone the other providers of care that exist in a clinical setting, but more broadly within the community of care, uh, it, as we've seen from the data, over the, which has been highlighted over the last couple of years, that so much of uh, the outcomes we all want to see is, is dependent upon the care that's delivered outside the walls of the clinic. And so over time, we've morphed more and more into how do you think about models like old person care in California or long-term services and supports programs or accountable uh, health entities and other types of organizations that are being stood up in different states. And what we see with our partners is that they're thinking about these models in a different way, recognizing that often as a, a state or as a county, uh, sometimes a specific organization, even a payer delivery system, a health healthcare system, they're basically trying to stand up these models and wrap these individuals in a different way of delivering care. And what we have seen over time is that as this has evolved, right, if I think about this experience I had a few years ago and where we sit today, recognizing that there are lots of services and supports and professionals that you need to engage more holistically as a solution. So we call it, we refer to it as a community care record, but the community care record is really supported by a lot of services and expertise that enables the communities and the stakeholders, the, we call them sometimes refer to them as conveners, that are saying, I have this set of providers of care across my community and how do we have a shared space where we can drive together with the individual and family at the table to say, how do I get the services and the supports so that as I alluded to earlier, as part of the solution, you have an efficient, effective, and measurable way to track the outcomes and the process that we're seeing as an organization. And so there's been this evolution and it's been exciting to see over the last couple of years as people have highlighted uh, social determinants health and really recognizing the role that plays in overall care delivery and bringing those stakeholders to the table. And those are the kinds of models that we're really excited about. And we'll see not only, not only thinking about the technology that supports such models, but the services, right? Only the professionals doing the work and how do you stand up these models to enable those workflows and those stakeholders to work together more efficiently? So that when we refer to as a community care record, we're talking about a solution 
which enables communities and, and, and entities that want to stand up these models of care. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to echo that because, you know, I've had the privilege of probably being in a thousand patients' homes. That's been the models I've worked in with the recognition that the care that needs to happen, especially for those who are facing the most complex challenges, shouldn't happen in EDs, shouldn't happen in inpatient hospital units, and probably shouldn't even happen in a primary care office. Um, they need to be addressed where people live their lives 365 days a year. And that is in patients' homes. So when I think of community, I think of that as ultimately everyone who goes into that care ecosystem. And I think one of the other things that, that providers, whether physicians, nurse practitioners, RNs, physical therapists, have to understand is often you're the least important person on the team. That the people who are actually there every day, the caregivers, the personal care attendants, those who support the person's everyday activities are the key components that need to be included. And they don't have a care record most of the time. It's sort of like, well, they said this. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into homes where people have handed me notebooks full of huge amounts of really important data that it would take me four hours to go through. Um, and, and, and this aspect of really understanding where high quality and impactful engagement in the journey of what healthcare is needs to be a little bit out of the medical paradigm retrofit and augment medicine when you need to. And you do need folks like me when you're somewhere and you need an IV Lasix order or you need to interpret labs, you need very informed decisions, but that's not the majority of how patients are impacted. And what happens, it's all the social determinants that happen to them each and every day. The other thing I'll add to that too is whenever I hear stories that Ted shared, I think of the trauma involved. So here, here's someone whose daughter is found unconscious with a substance abuse issue, and they need help. What they don't need to do is repeat the story 22 times, 22 different people who are coming in and out of this, this narrative. I think there's actual trauma, and I've come to realize this over time, that the more people talk about painful issues without support, the more it becomes problematic. Again, from my experience taking care of folks, they want me to understand their trauma, they want a longitudinal relationship with me, and they want me to understand what their perspective is so they can let me have my perspective. Um, and that's where the shared space comes in. Anything that can help in terms of technology to create that space for that level of communication is a key to where we need to be. Things, again, I, I really do want to highlight this. The medical model is important only when it's important. The social model is important each and every day of patients' lives, and we need to start thinking differently about how we deliver that care, organize that care, and make it efficient, effective, and measure the outcomes so that we develop best practice. You know, what's interesting, you, you have a lot of experience with CCA. I think about CCA as, a, at this point, obviously a very, very mature model. Right. And, you know, we, when, we, when we engage with different communities and partners around the country, we're often we're often looking for a couple of things. There's, there's some type of convener, right? There's an organization that's either taking the point and a CCA, yep. I think is a good example of that. Uh, there are models around the country where whether it's whole person care, or LTSS or ACOs or AHCs, whatever they may be, depending on the state where you live, there are organizations and entities that are being stood up as the convener. And we're always looking for that leadership role. And then the other thing we often see is that they, they, there's a set or a network of stakeholders they're already engaged with or they're trying to engage with and they struggle because they don't have the means with which to have that shared space to, to do their work. 
The third thing is they understand there's a specific workflow. There, there's areas of focus. We, we can't boil the ocean, but we're going to focus on these three or four things and then try to wrap these individuals with a team of resources to make that happen. And so those kind of uh, workflows are well understood. And then fourth, they really understand or at least have an appreciation for data sharing and interoperability and the sharing not only for the technical the technical capabilities to share data and integrate data, but also the legal frameworks. And so this has fortunately been something that we've been able to learn a lot with and learn together with some of our partners, uh, such that uh, when we have an opportunity to engage with uh, different uh, potentially new partners, they're often asking, boy, show me how you do that. <laughs> because when you think about those types of challenges, those are the issues and that they're trying to tackle. How do I build my network? How do I share information? How do I uh, uh, provide the appropriate level of access? How do I um, get the data elements that are necessary to actually drive action that are important to me? And that's a lot of the the work that we've been fortunate enough to work with with partners and individuals and, and organizations around the country is to say not only is there a technology at the at the center but there those are the components and so those services and those professionals are often what we're fortunate that we can bring to bear to help communities and conveners stand up these models of care and i'm sure you've you've kind of yeah. lived through this experience yeah and others. i have you know throughout my career the way i've always thought about it is levers i have levers that i can utilize to improve someone's care whatever that is and 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 what i would say is so often there is so much I, and i think we're at a unique time now where people really are starting to move theory into action but so often someone will pull a lever over here which will turn the gears that way and then someone will pull a lever over here and the gears are going in the opposite direction and everybody's doing what they think is best but every time you go into a, a situation where there's a patient client however you define them in general the people going in there have a very good idea of what they think the next best step is but so does someone else down the road and they go to an ed or they go somewhere else so I think where we're really at this point of understanding is there needs to be best practice. There needs to be an idea of what do you do that works best, that can be measured and then adjusted as need be to get even better outcomes. And these are at both the practice level and they're also at the population and state levels and hopefully someday at the national level. So to go back to your story, there should have been a pathway to say, okay, part of this is medical, but part of this is how do we support. And we've had a thousand individuals who had similar experiences. And now we have a pretty good idea of what will give you the best opportunity to get where you want to be. Um, and that's what we're really dedicated to doing. And part of that is technology data platforms, enabling and augmenting systems that are there or need to be developed with good understanding. So that if something happens right now as a medical professional, I have usual pathways to go through and say, okay, here's what I need to do. And here's the evidence. We're in the cusp of that being in the same way with social determinants. That, but to do that, you do need to have everybody in one community record so you can understand what someone else has done, what has worked or not worked, and most importantly, have the patient's engagement and voice as part of that narrative moving forward. That's what I. That's one of the things I'm really excited about, right? If you if you think about the vision and where we're going, we've seen these pilots and experiments across different states and in different kind of uh, um, communities across the country. And I think what we're shifting to now with the types of funding and resources that are available and some of the proof points that are emerging, we're seeing that people are looking for ways to, to scale these programs. We fund, yeah. sometimes refer to them as blueprints, right? Yeah. 
how do you provide that standardized yeah. workflow so that as an entity i can serve more people that i can stand up my models that i can make these um models more of a reality for a larger population and i think that's one of the things i'm really excited about because yeah. i think we're moving out of that kind of pilot experiment phase even though that never goes away in healthcare to yeah. kind of validate things but when you think about you know a medicaid population across a state where you know, have either for a couple hundred thousand to millions of individuals yeah. on medicaid you're trying to say how do i take programs that i can really scale to not only meet their services but frankly address some of the challenges where states are trying to say and I think individuals too, I want to get off of Medicaid. I want to get uh, kind of stand up on my feet and have the independence to control it. And I, I think that's the vision we have. That if you think about a solution which delivers on the promise of getting people to the outcome that's once again, effective, efficient, and gives us measurable outcomes so that we can begin to scale and help uh, individuals kind of see the outcomes they want to see, let alone at the state level and the federal level though, that are funding these programs to really demonstrate the impact on the overall cost of care, care and MLRs and all the other things that we measure. And, and I think you are seeing, you know, again, you're seeing payment methodologies and funding, realizing there needs to be more focus on things that happen outside of hospitals, offices, EDs, and, and others. And there's been a huge movement in this area. I think where we are is lots of ideas, a tremendous amount of goodwill, some dollars now funding this, and now it needs to come to reality. In a lot of ways, I think, in, in some ways, it's about how when they first launched the dual eligible DSNPs in the United States, where there was a need for those individuals that had both Medicaid and Medicare, um, they knew there was an issue, there was rate structures created to fund this. And then people ran best models at it and they had shared learning. And to go to Ted's point, I think part of when you work with populations, you realize that even if you work with, with a maternal child health issue, that's this core shared um, challenges with someone who maybe have substance use disorder or someone who's dealing with decreased mobility who needs transportation. These don't run in separate verticals where this is simply that and that's this. There's so much part of that that if you solve for one, you can learn and be 50% on the way to solve another issues. Ultimately, human experience of, of being unwell, of being challenged by significant disability for having substance or other issues boils down to some basic things of trust and longitudinal mechanisms getting the right care and being supported. And I think it's critical to also understand that those around you who are part of whatever you're trying to do need to also have a way to have a voice and understanding and also engagement in whatever plan you're trying to uh, bring to a, a best outcome. One of the funny, fun things that we're seeing is I, and, and this isn't a criticism, but I, I think we're seeing from the MCOs around the country, the recognition that there's a different set of skill sets required to stand up these models. And so what we're seeing is if, you know, and one of the fun things we've been doing over the last, uh, over the course of 2021 is setting up these and thinking about the, the uh, subcap model, where basically you carve out a specific population and basically turn that over to a, like a John Lutu, like a, it's like an SDOH a, a ACO, where as an organization, with our partners, we're coming to the table and say, you know, if you see this issue, we'll do the screening, we'll do the assessment, uh, and then we'll provide work with our partners to provide the services at the local level to stand up these models. So there's some fun models that are emerging in some states that we alluded to a little bit earlier, but it's also been interesting to see how with the MCOs and other kind of state uh, 
entities that they're basically saying, we're gonna carve this off. And with this demonstrated best practice that John was alluded to, we can stand up a model of care, which is integrated with the existing systems and not competing with them. Um, I think there's just a recognition on the medical side uh, that uh, there are limitations in the skill set and the experience. And if we could outsource that as a subcap to an organization like an Activate Care and our partners, so we can drive forward a model and different outcome. That's, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited. After all these years, um, I think the answer to social determinants is not lying in medical paradigm models. I think there has to be a different understanding, um, a, a, in some ways, a really dedicated workforce. And I often talk about the fact that I, when I, when I practice as a physician, I would never practice without an electronic health record these days. But we ask our traditional workers taking care of people through community-based organizations on the community. They don't have any health record. They simply have notebooks and, and other aspects, or they have some some very early technology that doesn't integrate with everybody else who's engaging with these patients. Our clients are again. Um, however they have thought of them. So we really think there's a new, a new dawn in terms of how do you look at social determinants, create the workforce that can make the most impact, and how do you support them with really uh, efficient technology that will allow them to do the best of what they want to do and not be an extra burden of what's happening, but to share that data in one source so that you cannot just say, well, this is what I do because I had five patients. This is what I think is best because we've had 50,000 patients. And here's the outcomes that we think everyone can enjoy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. One of, the, one of the first questions we try to answer when we work with uh, a new partner or work in a specific community is we, we often talk about or ask the question, what, what are you trying to measure? <laughs> or what do you need to measure as part of your program? Uh, as we all know it, from you know, historical healthcare, that that data is the currency of healthcare, right? And being able to quantify um, impact and results and contribution uh, of a specific activity and organization that's now as part of a care team. And so one of the things we are, once again, pretty excited about, which we see is that with some of these proof points, the ability to measure uh, meaningful data that not only helps um, for the outcomes we want to see, but also helps organizations that are engaging in care. Uh, many times, uh, community-based organizations, these service providers in the community, um, haven't been pushed or had access to the data and been able to even kind of demonstrate their impact on overall cost of care or the results that they're seeing. And so what's been emerging over the last two years is the ability to not only quantify, but to demonstrate the impact and the overall value of those contributions. Sometimes organizations need to have operational metrics around things like caseload and case management, which demonstrates and uh, enables them to be much more efficiency with the professionals they're hiring. In other instances, it's, it's the traditional things like medical expense ratio, right? What is the impact I'm having on inpatient days or visits to the emergency department, whatever it might be. In other models, they're looking at, you know, what are just the baseline results? What is the impact in the actual delivery, kind of closing the loop? and showing that for the specific need, I'm able to demonstrate that I've provided the service uh, outside the kind of traditional care uh, service providers. And then um, as you might appreciate, often with these community-based organizations, they have funders and or their organizations and services where they're looking to grow uh, funding and having the ability to demonstrate the impact and support and serve more individuals helps them achieve their mission and support the funding they need to stand up their programs and achieve their missions as, as an organization. So once again, it, it, as recognizing uh, the framework within which um, 
such models need to operate, having access to that data, understanding that currency and that contribution, and then to be able to provide that information back to traditional healthcare. One of the most interesting things that we see emerging right now, and we've seen over the last two years or so, is that these care models are studying, being stood up outside of healthcare. <laughs> and then they're looking to integrate and push their information back into healthcare to help better inform the care delivery that's happening inside the walls of the clinic. And, you know, and I want to speak to two things also that Ted just talked about. One is Medicaid. Um, having, having been involved on and off for my entire career in Medicaid, um, the, the reality is, is that I think of human outcomes with Medicaid. And I think about how do we do, to use Medicaid to support people to achieve whatever goals they want. Um, and I can tell you that so often when I used to take care of folks as a, at a community health center, at a safety net hospital, when I would look and see that they were on Medicaid, I used to ask them, what can I do to help you so that you can move to a life that you envision, which is usually not being on Medicaid. Um, and then and when I became involved with the dual eligible plan, I, I wanted people who were Medicaid and were heading towards a dual eligible plan, not to get to the dual eligible plan. I wanted them to stabilize and improve where they were going. And that's a human outcome that we don't talk about. You know, I've, I've often kind of, when I have, have conversations with my friends who are really in the, in the Medicaid and public payer space, one of the metrics should be how many people actually graduate from Medicaid um, and how you help that. And that's in general, some medical, but a lot social. How do we get people so that their lives have reached a point where they see themselves reaching the goals that they, they want to be at? So I think you mentioned that's a, a crucial thing we should never forget. So often we talk about medical loss ratios, medical expense ratios, ED avoidance, all those other metrics. And part of this is just the human experience of, of where we are in terms of our lives. So I think that that's crucial. The second thing is I, I also want to highlight that whatever we do in the social determinant component has a huge impact on the medical models. And I'll, and I'll give a concrete example of how um, I, I saw my own practice and how I see activate care being really helpful. Uh, every time I went into a home with someone who had significant congestive heart failure, the first thing I would do is say, hi, how are you? And then I would ask permission to go to their uh, kitchen and look in the uh, cabinets. Because I could go to the cabinets and actually see uh, what was happening before I would even go examine them. If I saw all the salted canned foods and all of those things, I knew what I was going to get into before I went there. And they knew that was part of the, the, the gig. And a lot of times I write a prescription to either to the, to the um, caregivers or personal care attendants is to check the cabinets once every um, three, three days. <laughs> and, 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 and again, they would go and do that because part of it was that we know that it's hard. If you have congestive heart failure, getting on a low salt diet that often can be a huge change from where you were uh, and having that and then correlating it to eating salt and having an exacerbation is, is really a key component. And, and part of my own thinking in that practice was I did some of my residency in a small town in Montana. And every time I would go to a restaurant knowing my patients congestive heart failure and I saw them eating a steak, I knew there was a better than 50% chance <laughs> I was going to see them in the ED the next day. So, so how do you leverage that community thing of food if they actually have food insecurity and use a food resource, how do you make sure they're not getting lots of salted aspects? That, that's that's about food. That's about utilizing resources. But in the end, it's about someone having a high salt diet that may lead them into an ED visit that you can avoid because of that component. And it's doing it in a, a way that's part of their daily um, ecosystem, as I said before, and not coming to the ED and having an ED doc, someone like me saying, you shouldn't eat so much salt. I can tell you that doesn't really do a lot at that moment. I can tell you it does a lot when you're in their home and you say, hey, listen, did you know that this package 
has this much salt and let's think about alternatives for you. And if you are using a uh, food resource in the community, bring this note with them. And that's what I would have to do. I would love for the food uh, resource to actually say, hi, Mrs. Jones, I see that uh, you're coming to our food. I, I see that you're part of this clinic and let's have you make some good choices for, for your heart. Hmm. That, that kind of connection has a huge impact. And right now, if it happens at all, it's done on post-it notes. You know, I mean, I'll just kind of conclude my, my comments today just by highlighting one of the philosophies we've always uh, embraced is we, it's the Clay Christensen model of kind of the jobs to be done. Do we understand what people are trying to get done such that they would hire a solution like Activate Care to help them get this done? And it's been exciting to see how on the uh, patient or individual side, we're having a voice and having access and being a tier one member of the team to be able to see what's happening in my care and be able to you know, advocate as a parent for my child or as a patient individual who's receiving care or somebody in the community that's trying to receive services to hear kind of the um, uh, kind of success stories or the customer comments about how exciting it is and how rewarding that's been from programs on the West Coast that are standing up these kind of innovative models, recognize, being recognized as the leading program in a specific state. And at the core of that is recognizing that a model that we've just described here today is central to helping them achieve that to programs here in Boston, which um, are trying to kind of expand and amplify their impact in the community and being able to connect with more community partners and funnel them to needed resources, not only on the clinical side, but in the community side, which uh, is, uh, as we all know, is so central to those, those outcomes we want to see. So we're pretty excited about where we're going. And I'm excited. Now, I'm all in with sort of a challenge, one for um, the payers, providers, and everyone else who understand how important this is, is to kind of join with folks like us and others to really to, to put that concept into action. And we're there. And I think for Activate Care, the challenge is, is we want to work with partners to scale best solutions um, that we're really dedicated to say, if this is working well in California, how do we get it to work well in Iowa and Nebraska and Maine and Florida? And how do we get things in Florida to work well in, in, uh, to, in, 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 in Oklahoma and Colorado and Washington State? So I think there's a challenge on both sides is to move from this, this important area we all know is so powerful and to, and to partner together to get better outcomes in the end for who matters, which is patients and families. Great. Thanks for your time. That's Activate Care. Happy to introduce our uh, community care record. And thank you for listening.